0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Uh, Welcome to this Monday edition of Scorebox. These are your headlines. Chinese stocks plunging on the first day back after the extended lunar New Year shutdown wiping $420 billion off markets, despite the central bank measures to prop them up. The coronavirus death toll now topping 360, with the first fatality reported outside of China, whilst foreign countries step up evacuations and impose fresh travel restrictions.
1: British Prime Minister Boris Johnson proposed to lay out his vision for a trade deal with Europe. He is set to warn the UK won't be following EU rules as Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab says the government hopes for a Canada-style deal.
2: Our regulations, our standards are higher, but um, I can reassure
0: our EU friends and partners we will not be insisting that they align with our rules as a price of a free trade deal with the UK. That's not the way free trade deals are done globally.
1: The fallout from Airbus's $4 billion bribery settlement hits Air Asia. As it's revealed, the French aircraft maker paid $50 million to win a contract from Asia's biggest budget airline.
0: And Super Bowl scramble. The Kansas City Chiefs stage a dramatic late comeback to capture their first NFL title in 50 years.
1: the first session for Chinese markets since the 23rd of January and before the opening of this market What we knew is that a lot of investors were seeking protection. They were trading some of the proxies. They were going for some hedging contracts, particularly over the weekend as Wall Street was shut. And, of course, we saw many investors trading some of the ETFs, trying to get ahead of the reopening of the Chinese market. When it's reopened, the market has plunged, as you can see from these levels, down close to 8%. We have been down, wiping effectively $370 million off the market in terms of value instantly. And 7.79% currently where we stand, yeah. <laughs> 2744 on the market open so a lot of investors of course uh, seeing the immediate impact as coronavirus has now been weighed up by a lot of investors. The initial trade we saw before these markets shut for the Lunar New Year holiday and also then the extended break was that very limited reaction to the coronavirus. It was only in its initial stages in Wuhan so investors didn't have a lot of information to trade so this is uh, the reaction you're seeing now as uh, investors get up to speed. And If you just dive into these markets, uh, I know oil copper, some of those have all dropped by their daily limits in the trading session today. Across the Shenzhen composite, so trades down close to 8% as well. And the CSI 300 also losing more than 7.5%. So you can see in lockstep as these markets respond on the back of what we have seen. Now, the death toll now from coronavirus, 361 as of uh, Sunday, up from 57 the previous day. So uh, the reaction very strong. Measures too coming into force from the central bank in China, the PBOC, also starting to move a uh, reaction that we've seen from that central bank to inject 1.2 trillion yuan into the market or $173 billion of liquidity via reverse repo operations trying to stabilise the market. So uh, the closures, I think, across the board, investors are weighing up the production facilities that have been closed, workers not returning back to facilities that they would have. Also, the, the impact for transportation services and consumption in the Chinese market.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it is highly logical that people should be very concerned about value of assets at the moment, regardless of coronavirus. There are many reasons why people think that the stock market globally, let alone in China, has been ripe for some form of correction. The thing that we need to do is work out, one, what are the real economic rationale for this coming out of China and its global implications, which at the moment is almost impossible to do so. One can make comparisons with previous crises such as SARS. But of course, the Chinese economy is not the same as it was uh, back then when we had SARS as well. And of course, at the moment, we have an unquantifiable risk uh, to coronavirus. The second is, uh, is the market falling for other reasons and does that present opportunities for those people who are looking for some form of way back into the market? Because as we've heard, there are trillions of dollars looking for a home. It would seem premature to do the latter. But as far as the former is concerned, very difficult to quantify.
1: Fair to say maybe that the market was a little bit wrong in how it was trying to deal with coronavirus because many were just waiting for this peak level to try and hit. But what we've seen, you mentioned SARS, the com- comparison is a little bit different. The fact that you've seen very strong measures, the amount of flights that have been suspended. If you look at one of the, the announcements from Delta, they've suspended all US flights to China until the 30th of April. Mm. This is not now just a couple of weeks or just one quarter. That's two quarters. Sure. So it, it's uh, stretching yeah. much further but into the year than we thought it would have a 4.8 point.
0: handle someone's been talking about about the effect on the annualised rate of GDP on the back of this out of China, which grew at 6.1% last year. Again, I would hasten to add, given what you just said and what people are now extrapolating for the broader economy, almost impossible to, to figure any kind of number.
1: Let's get out to Emily in Hong Kong, because she's also looking at those markets in Asia and particularly the Chinese market today. Emily?
2: Uh, thanks a lot, Karen. And we are watching business uh, back to business for the Chinese markets after an extended Lunar New Year period and quite a bit of a downside pressure on Shanghai and Shenzhen on the resumption of trade. After being closed for six sessions, uh, we're looking at losses of about 8% for both Shanghai and Shenzhen. With that, something like 420 billion U.S. dollars being wiped out of the market as a result. We've got the composite at 2,743, uh, Shenzhen at 1,643. Seventeen. Uh, Shanghai Composite retreating 8%, now at a one-year low. Uh, it is poised for the biggest loss since August 2015. Uh, something like 2,500 stocks are trading limit down 10% on mainland trade. Let's uh, take a look at the CNY, the Chinese currency, because uh, it too has pa- uh, pushed past 7. That is a psychologically important level here. Uh, this comes as the central bank saying that they're going to be pouring money into the market to, to ensure confidence confidence and liquidity Uh, we've got to the dollar the offshore traded at seven point And the dollar onshore in on the mainland at 7.02. So offshore and onshore traded at uh, similar levels, pushing past seven against the greenback. The PBOC also unexpectedly cutting the interest rates on short-term funding facilities by 10 basis points. Uh, We're watching as commodities also post sharp drops, catching up with sliding global prices. Uh, A very weak mainland market on the resumption of trade, but an interesting picture playing out in Hong Kong here. We already had a big sell down last week. The market was down 6% uh, for the week on the resumption of trade after the Lunar New Year. So, Hong Kong uh, seeing a fractional gain today, higher by four tenths of 1%, 26,415. We do have some strength coming in from the tech plays like Tencent, that is our Hang Seng heavyweight. Uh, Some of the mainland banks also looking good, and uh, the Macau gaming stocks as well, which were sold down heavily last week on the uh, outbreak of the coronavirus because of uh, the, the tourist numbers going into Macau dropping something like 80% on year uh, during the Lunar New Year period. So uh, come back in the sector, if you will, today. This is despite uh, the gross gaming revenues in Macau for the month of January falling more than 11% to 2.7 billion U.S. dollars. Only SJM Holdings is sitting in the red today, down six-tenths of 1%. But Sands, China, our blue-chip stock, alongside Galaxy Entertainment, another blue-chip stock, both traded higher more than 2%. We got Win Macau shares up almost 2% at $16.68. I got a chance to speak to the chairman of Win Macau earlier, and he was talking about the measures being uh, taken out by the uh, Macau Gaming Authorities. They are now requiring that all people that go into Macau casinos have to wear masks and he says that he applauds uh, all of the directives from the regulators to con- help control uh this coronavirus outbreak back to you guys emily
1: thank you very much i mentioned a moment ago that the death toll on sunday was at 361 we've now got a fresh number for you the death toll from the outbreak has risen to 362 with the philippines reporting the first fatality outside of china Over 17,000 cases of the infectious disease have been confirmed globally. The U.S. administration has temporarily denied entry to foreign nationals who have recently traveled to China. U.S. carriers Delta Airlines, American Airlines and United Airlines have suspended their services to China. Steve.
0: Industrial profits in China fell for the first time in four years in 2019 as the manufacturing sector felt the brunt of the impact of the trade war with the U.S. Data showed profit declined 3.3% annually to $898 billion for 2019. Meanwhile, factory activity grew at its slowest rate in five months in January, according to the private Kaishin survey. The data does not take into uh, account the full effect, of course, of the coronavirus outbreak. Well, let's get to Andrew Collier who is Managing Director of Orient Capital Research. And Andrew, after the trade war, uh, the uh, protests we saw in Hong Kong, and now the coronavirus, it's the third uh, arm of what has been a very tricky uh, few months stroke year for China and the Hong Kong economy as well. Is it time for our viewers and investors to take a step or carry on taking a step back, or are there opportunities?
3: I think that they should take a step back because uh, you've had a number of uncertainties in the Asian markets in China and Hong Kong over the past year. And I think there's a certain amount of battle fatigue that's going on. Um, Obviously, the trade war is only partially settled. Uh, There's a chance that Trump uh, could continue uh, lashing out at China with IP protection and other issues. Uh, Now you've got the coronavirus, whose outcome is highly uncertain. And you've got the long-term impacts of the trade war having to do with the change in the supply chains, which I think will have uh, impacts going for the next couple of years as multinationals try to reevaluate their situation. So I think a lot of investors are going to be thinking twice, and only the more uh, aggressive hedge funds will be looking for opportunities in tech and uh, beating down consumer stocks uh, once uh, things shake out a little bit.
1: Andrew, I was reading a report this morning it was saying the negatives from this supply shock will outweigh the seasonal adjustments and typically every year we look at the Lunar New Year outage and weigh that up and look at the sort of seasonalities across the course of the year and trying to get that gauge on just how strong the Chinese growth is. But how would you contextualise this supply shock that we're now seeing out of China? <laughs>
3: Well, that's the problem. I mean, it's hard to do that. The the comparison is with SARS uh, 15 years ago. But the problem is there's huge differences with that period. First of all, China was growing at uh, leaps and bounds, very high GDP growth rates, um, almost double what we have now. And second of all, the service sector was a much smaller part of growth back then. So you had a lot of money being shoved by the state into the, the industrial sector so they can kind of control the pace of that. They've backed away from that model, which was a smart move on their part. But if you have a situation where Chinese don't buy things because they're worried about getting sick or they can't get to the markets or whatever, then a huge chunk of GDP is gonna be falling off. So I expect going forward, there's gonna be a bit of a panic in the leadership in Beijing, and they're gonna go back to trying to inject more money into the economy, which they really don't wanna do. And that's kind of bad because a lot of that extra money that comes from state-led growth is kind of a waste and, and just more bridges to nowhere. So none of this bodes well unless the animal spirits of investment and consumption turn around in the second half or even the second quarter of the year. But we don't know yet, given the virus.
0: Uh, Andrew, you're alluding to the fact that the Chinese government will try its absolute best to throw resources at this. Resources which, uh, as you've been pointing out, um, they have begun to rat it up even before we saw the coronavirus outbreak. Is this going to paint a very difficult medium-term picture for the Chinese economy and make it very difficult to attain medium-term goals and actually without incurring a vast amount more debt and a vast amount more risk?
3: Well, short term, it's good for the markets because the markets always like it when the government puts money into the economy because they think it's some of that will flow into the stock market and it might help to goose up property prices and all that kind of stuff. But I totally agree with you. Over uh, not even the long term, sort of the medium 6 to 12 months term, it means more debt, the the possibility of more defaults among some of the banks. We've already seen about four banks run into problems. And, um, you know, the, the, the fact that you're constructing... Um, property developments and so forth that really have no economic value. So I think the government is desperate not to do that, but they're being backed into a corner, and that's probably going to be their reaction because that's all they know how to do.
1: Andrew, let me get into uh, the the global problem that we might be dealing with for our markets because it felt as though many investors were dealing with this as just a China problem at this point. But clearly we've seen a little bit of action on Wall Street. At what point do you think investors take stock and we see even stronger market selling take place? Because there is a a realization, the backdrop that we had very stretched market valuations that may not hold up now if earnings are going to be impacted. And then when you talk about Western countries, how much more room is there for central banks to stimulate at this point? So when do you think that global realization might Hit stock markets.
3: Well, that's that's the most important point. I mean, it's it's amazing to me that you have a situation where global banks, central banks, have been pouring money into their economies for close to a decade. Meanwhile, you have the Chinese consumer, which seems to have tremendous faith in the property market, which has been uh, everybody knows is in quite a bubble. And uh, now the mortgage uh, leverage among consumers in China is hitting fairly significantly higher rates. So at some point, there's got to be a turnaround, but we have yet to see that. So this, um, I think there's going to be a gradual realization that the supply chains going to be a problem, that the consumer is overleveraged in China, and that you know, the central banks in Europe and the U.S. may start pulling back. So I think the second half of the year is going to be a bit more risky than the first half. We may have a short-term bounce back, as I said, because the Chinese government will throw some money at the
0: problem. Andrew, thank you very much indeed for your time today and uh, trying to make sense for the markets out of what is the deadly coronavirus um, uh, out of China and now obviously a, a global concern. Thank you very much indeed. Well, a second plane carrying British nationals from Wuhan has arrived in the United Kingdom. Passengers on the flight have been quarantined at a hospital, along with more than 100 others who flew into Britain late last week. Well, let's get um, on with the story. Meanwhile, UK health officials have confirmed two cases of coronavirus in the country. The patients are receiving treatment in Newcastle at one of Britain's two specialised centres for infectious diseases. Juliana joins us from outside of the country's other unit, In London, Juliana.
4: Good morning, guys. Well, yes. Let's start off with the two the two uh, people who were confirmed positive for coronavirus here in the United Kingdom. These were two Chinese nationals from the same family. One of whom was a student at York, and as you said, they were immediately transferred to Newcastle to Royal Victoria Infirmary, which is one of two high-consequence infectious infectious disease units here in England. These are units that are designed specifically to deal with diseases like coronavirus and outbreaks. Like this, I am standing in front of the uh, the other unit here in front of Royal Free. Now the uh, Chinese, the uh, China, the England chief medical officer has reassured that the NHS is perfectly equipped to deal with situations like this. They have robust measures in place. And just as a reminder, the UK has raised its assessment of the risk to the public of coronavirus from low to moderate in the wake of the WHO's decision to declare this a global health emergency. Now the other piece to the puzzle here in the UK is those British citizens in China. And you mentioned that we now have had the first batch of uh, of British citizens land in the UK and they have entered quarantine. And over the weekend, we had more Britons come through a French flight back to the UK. So interesting to see that coordination among European nations in the immediate aftermath of the UK leaving the European Union. Now, Dominic Robb, lastly, he was speaking to the BBC over the weekend, and he said that the government estimates there's about 30,000 British nationals still in China. And the British government is going to do whatever they can to uh, ensure their safety and give them the opportunity to leave China should they wish to do so. So the government continues to monitor the situation. And as it stands, two is the number, two cases confirmed here in the UK. Guys?
0: All right, thank you very much indeed for that. In the meantime, we have had earnings reported. And I find this most staggering, devastating statement coming out from the newish CEO of Julius Baer he said the leadership will now focus on uh, on a, a focus on a strategy of sustainable profit growth rather than from asset gathering. What were they doing in the first place? What are you saying about your predecessors, Mr. Rickenbacker, if previously previous uh, bosses were trying to gather assets rather than focus on profit? Oh, we'll discuss it in a moment. Anyway, Jeff's going to be speaking to that gentleman, 11.30CT, first on CNBC.
1: Just a reminder, we've been podcasting. If you can't get up the score box, be sure to tune in for our very own podcast. Head to CNBC.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever we'll you get your podcast to have a listen and download today's episode. For our listeners out there, stick around for some more.
0: Yeah, and look, you've seen some massive declines on the uh, newly opened Chinese markets, but the rest of the world has had to digest this for a, a week or so now. So hence, European indices are called flat to slightly higher at the start of trading. All right, let's take a look at uh, Julius Baer shares And um, Right, the shares year today, I mean, you know, what are we, we're one month in, down 3.3%. Uh, as you can see, over the last 12 months, uh, actually a significant incline. And it is quite a well-rated stock, actually, certainly by European standards. Trades on a, a meager 11 times forward. But the price to book is as good as you'll find in European banking stocks at one6 So you've got to remember, this is perhaps one of the most highly rated banks in Europe. It was up there with the Scandinavian banks before, of course, they had their lapse of judgment, many of them, and having money laundering issues uh, in, uh, in the Baltics. Well, anyway, look at this. I'll just concentrate on that line again. The new CEO, Philip Rickenbacker, took over from Bernhard Hodler, who was there pretty much as an interim measure, really, between Herr Rickenbacker and um, Boris Kaladi, of course, who moved on as well. But uh, he says, we'll shift leadership focus from an asset gathering strategy to one of sustainable profit growth. Well, again, I'm going to say this. How damning is that of what you thought your predecessors were doing if you thought all they were doing was gathering assets rather than sustainable profit growth as your mantra? I find that absolutely extraordinary that any bank could say, yeah, well, all we did before was look at assets. We were just trying to get more assets.
1: Well, from some of the background comments I heard talking to people on the street, it felt like there was a land grab going to these Asian markets yeah, that they, they wanted to be present there because Spot everyone else on. was going there. There was meant to be profits at the end of the line, but it's very hard for Swiss Bank to try and execute in the Chinese markets, for instance.
0: Well, I think you're right on, the, on what you were saying and the land grab. Everybody's decided, well, what are we going to do now? We're not allowed to have prop desks. I know what we'll do. We'll become asset managers. We'll become wealth managers. And suddenly, single Single one, uh, plus their Auntie Joan, wanted to be an asset manager uh, and gather all the world's wealth and make money out of it. Well, guess what? You've still got to perform in the underlying markets once you've gathered those assets. And it's become a really, really crowded field. And funny enough, I talked to the, the head of the, the chair of the Swiss Banking Association, who's also the chair of Vonterbell, uh, about this uh, only in Davos. And I said, Well, what is the USP of Swiss banks anymore? It can't be privacy because you've had to open up the books uh, to, to global so authorities. What was their response? well i think that they are very adept at handling wealth was one of the responses well which is to be honest, it's undeniable. They have been adept at handling wealth. I should give one or two other numbers rather than just ranting. Uh, new medium-term targets 2020 to 2022. Adjusted pre-tax margin of 25 to 28 basis points by 2022. Uh, adjusted return on CET1 capital of at least 30% by 2022. Uh, reduce the cost base by 200 million Swissy uh, through productivity and efficiency measures as well. I'll just mention the buyback. People get excited about these. 400 million Swiss franc buyback programme and will run until the end of February 2021. Uh, we'll get plenty more on those earnings. I'm sure Jeff will just be poring over some of those comments today, when uh, our very own Mr. Cutmore uh, having a line today, uh, will speak to the CEO of Julius Baer, CEO Philip Rickenbacker, and that's not strictly true, actually, because I know Must he's-
1: deserved, well, To
0: be fair, uh, <laughs> that's a bit of a wind-up from our dear friend, because I know he's taking an early flight this morning. <laughs> 11.30 CET, anyway. What about uh, Ryanair?
1: Right actually, funnily enough, I've been mean, looking right through the numbers, there's a lot of commentary around Boeing and the MAX programme. But uh, there's a comment that's just crossed on coronavirus, and you're just taking issue with Jellious Bear. I've been to take issue with this one because the Ryanair CFO this morning in a phone call is saying that they may see more passengers taking holidays within Europe this year as a result of the coronavirus outbreak. This from the CFO, does that ring true to you? Yeah. It doesn't feel as though there's a coronavirus that's just been restricted to the Chinese markets in Wuhan anymore. It's right across Europe. So I don't see why people would be changing their travel I, I plans do, actually. to I fly to around honest. Europe when there's a problem here too.
0: Yeah, I, I totally see it. Really? Yeah. I think it's all about proximity. I think people rightly or wrongly look at the centre of this crisis as Asia and if they were going to be taking longer haul flights now people are now thinking about the ramifications of that look again i have no scientific bes- evidence for this i do have anecdotal evidence and i and obviously Ryanair have got evidence as well that they believe they're citing I, I to be fair i kind of agree that people will if you were Potentially going to go on a holiday to Asia, you'd be thinking twice about it. Whether you went or not remains to be seen. I think
1: if you're thinking about it, you might even be thinking staycation if you're really that concerned. You may be not hopping on a plane at all.
0: Which is what many people consider a short haul hop around Europe to be a staycation.
1: Or take the car, maybe just not going on public transport, which impacts the the likes of Orion. Even you,
0: who is a a very smart, seasoned global traveller would make the decision to think about it, let alone whether you would delay your trip or not, actually typifies what a lot of well, people who are less informed than you may be thinking. I'm
1: thinking about booking something, but I've also been thinking about where you go in Europe, but you want to go to somewhere where it has a very good health system, if there's going to be a problem, which then obviously alters the mix of different countries that you have in Europe. So it alters for an airline, I'm afraid, the amount of profits they can get from certain legs across Europe. But I don't want to take the whole focus just to be on the coronavirus comments, because we also just had profit numbers out, uh, third quarter net profit at, uh, million euros versus a loss of 66.1 million same time a year ago. So that is a much better number coming through. Also, very important comments around the impact of the Boeing 737 MAX program. This has delayed their long-term plans. They wanted to get to a 200 million uh, passengers being carried per year. This was uh, meant to be happening in the year to March 2024. They've pushed it out to 2025 or even 2026. So there's been an impact from those Boeing conversations. And we'll get into that a little bit more in the program. Meantime, let me take you to some of the market action. We've been weighing up the impact of coronavirus for the Chinese markets today that have resumed trading on the back of the Lunar New Year break. And what we've got, the action on Wall Street over the course of January Uh, this market's been trading the whole month and you can see the give back to the extent of 1%. So it has been a negative month for the likes of the Dow snapping out the winning streaks that we've now seen for the major indices over the course of the month. uh, That's breaking a four-month winning streak over the course of the week. We saw a reversal of 2.5%, worst weekly performance that we've had for a while. And you can see the extent of those Uh, declines at the back end of these boards. Uh, Let's take a look at uh, some of the other big ones. S&P 500. I mean, Apple has been a very strong undercurrent for some of these markets. And as markets uh, then turn tail Friday session... Apple coming off and having a fairly significant impact, but some of the props, some of those gains you've seen down to the technology space that have all been reporting the market also reversing for the course of January, and perhaps this is a precursor for the markets this year. This is saying that whatever we see in January is just an indicator for the rest of the year. We'll see whether that plays out. I want to take you to oil. One of the worst components that we've had in markets uh, so far, there's been uh, certainly uh, some selling, the worst performing sector for January. It did break a two-month winning streak. Uh, so what we had here, we a reversal of fortunes. And look at this, and you may recall right back before coronavirus hit that there was euphoria in markets some sentiment improving that a phase one trade deal would finally be positive and we'll put some stability back into the oil market. And then reverse forward or fast forward now to today as we've got coronavirus what we've had, concerns that there might be some change to production levels, even from OPEC Plus, the market down uh, 11 to 12% on Drent.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
1: Or join us again on this show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.